Welcome to Unwanted Guests, the podcast that teaches you about insects and other pests that may join you in and around your home. It's brought to you by Texas A&M AgriLife Extension and the Texas A&M Department of Entomology. We're your hosts, Wizzy Brown, Robert Puckett, Molly Keck, and Janet Hurley. This episode of Unwanted Guests, we are going to be talking about ants and termites, but only specific stages of them. I'm going to start off with the first one. Robert, what is a swarmer? Because that term is used for both ants and termites. So swarmers are just winged reproductives that leave a colony of either ants or termites to go start the next colony or group of colonies. So these are the progeny of a queen or queens from one colony of social insects that at a particular time of the year, state of development of the colony, they leave to go find a mate. And in the case of ants, queen ants will find a mate, mate, and if everything goes well for her, she moves on and finds a place to establish a new colony and start laying eggs. For him, his job's pretty much done. So they're sort of the expendable part of the colony. So he's, he's going to die after mating. And if there's a successful mating event and queen finds a place to establish a new colony and starts laying a clutch of eggs, if everything goes well for the first few months of her uh, new colony, then eventually that colony will begin to mature. And so at some point, she'll begin to produce new reproductive swarmers that are going to leave that colony. And same kind of goes for most of our termite species, except that with our subterranean termites, the male reproductive or swarmer is actually pretty important for a long period of time after the mating event. So they help establish a colony and help feed the queen before there are workers to do so and, and on and on. So that's it. When people talk about swarmers, we're talking about the reproductive individuals that leave a colony to go start a new one. Most folks have probably seen a swarm of, of social insects, ants or termites, walking around outside or you know sometimes even in our homes. And this can be a startling event for a homeowner to find a swarm of thousands of termites moving around in a living room or something. It can be a startling event for even someone who works in the Department of Entomology. Oh, yeah. And they happen in your home. Yeah, trust me, I'll be startled if that ever happens in my house. I am thinking of our retired co-worker, Dr. Michael Merchant. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and okay. they would have swarms occasionally in their homes, and it would always be in the master bedroom. Hmm. Wow. See, I've had mine in the yard before, but I've never had them inside the house, which inside. I got to find some wood to knock on. Because yeah, yeah, do it now. It's going to be hitting the season soon. So I do want to go back a little bit on what Robert said. So he said that the termites are different, the subterranean termites, in that the male sticks around, whereas the ants, the male dies. And they actually have this cute little thing. They, you know, kind of launch up out of the ground and they fly around and they pair up. When they fall to the ground, they'll shed their wings and then the males and the females will pair up and you'll have this little female walking around and it's got this little male like right behind it. And they're just this little tandem pair walking around it's so, a lot more romantic than, uh, you know, the outcome of males and after ant matings. You yeah, know. exactly. I mean, at least the male gets to stick around, right? Mm-hmm. Even though he's got his head like right up <laughs> right. her abdomen, we'll say. Yeah. <laughs> Insects, they are still in the animal kingdom. And for our listeners, I mean, yeah, you can go watch a lot of these videos and stuff, but it is important to understand 
that insects are still part of that animal kingdom and they do still have biology that goes on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is generally the point, you know, you're passing on that genetic material and that's kind of the point of all animals, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, and termites do survive. I mean, they've been around for eons and they're going to survive. Our goal is, again, termites in, in the soil outside. Great. Termites coming up a crack in my foundation and hitting my um, wood floors or my cabinets. That's so a great. Yeah, this is a problem. Yeah. So my next question is going to be when, when can we expect these? Because we're, we're recording this in March. So we wanted to do this. So it's going to be out in time for you guys to actually utilize this information. Mm-hmm. We can give estimates usually based upon the past and when things have generally happened. But I always tell people, cause you know, they often want a specific date. When are we going to see X, Y, Z? And it's like, well, they don't have calendars. They, they haven't the slightest idea if it's March or April or December or whatever, they're using environmental cues. But typically when we start seeing them, at least here in central Texas is usually late March into April. But of course, Texas is a huge state Mm -hmm. and the environmental conditions can vary. So it's really going to depend on where you're located in Texas. If you're down in the Valley, then those swarms can occur in February. If they they have have. year. Yeah. Yeah. They've already started swarming. See, and so if you're in the panhandle, then it may take a little bit longer for you to start seeing them up there. And again, it's all based upon temperatures and water availability and all sorts of good stuff. Another thing to mention is that it's also species, sort of species specific. So, you know, those, those environmental cues that, that Wizzy mentioned are sort of slightly different from species of termite to species of termite. So for instance, our our native subterranean termites, for which we have several species in our state, have begun to swarm. But our invasive species, the Formosan termites, tend to swarm, you know, a couple of weeks either side of Mother's Day. So we've got that to look forward to. Happy Mother's Day! <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say, so that the listeners understand, what's that temperature kind of thing like? Because we talk about the fire ants swarming, uh-huh. but it's all around, and you said southern texas so what are we looking at when when our friends the termites want to come out and play 50 degrees 70 degrees you know it it has well of course you know any behavioral physiology of insects is tied to temperature right so there's a there's a threshold a temperature threshold that has to be overcome before they even have the necessary temperature to fly but you know that could happen in as early as early january but the swarmers may not be ready to go so they we think about insect development based on degree days. Insect and, and plants, our horticulturalists and plant enthusiasts, hobbyists um, will know what I'm, what I'm referring to when I talk about degree days. It's the accumulation of temperature over time that results in their development to a particular stage. And then there's sort of staging in the colony. And when all those cues sync up, boom, they go. 
there's microhabitat differences even in the same neighborhood. So you might have some swarmers in one yard that swarm today and some of them down the street that swarm a few days from now. And that could be how sunlight is hitting the ground and right. warming the area where they're located. It could also have to do with irrigation schedules. I know our neighborhood has irrigation for odd numbers on certain days and even numbers on other days. And so that can play into right. when things are swarming because they're also going to need that moisture source to make sure that there's enough moisture in the environment because insects are going to need food. They need water and they need a place to live. Yeah. And they're trying to queue up to make sure that they're going to have all of those type of things. Right. The other thing that I want to mention is there are other termite species. I mean, usually we think about termites swarming in the springtime. Mm-hmm. There are termites that swarm in the fall almost every year yeah, in Texas, yeah. and it throws everybody off. Robert, you want to tell us a little bit about those ones? So um, there's a group of termites that we sort of generally refer to as ag or desert termites. Some of our listeners may have seen seen evidence of these guys and not known what they were looking at before. So these termites, rather than being wood-destroying pests, they feed on vegetation, but only after it's died. And they don't sit around and wait for vegetation to die. They'll encase um, leaf blades with little earthen tubes. And of course, that cuts the leaves off from the sunlight above, and that'll begin the decaying, death and decaying process for that plant. And then once it reaches a particular stage of decay, they feed on it, but they feed on it inside these shelter tubes. So if you ever if you're walking across an area of bare ground and you see these tubes, remember that we told you about this. Maybe just reach down and kind of flick one open and see if you see termite workers working up and down. We see these frequently during the summer when things get dry and hot. So these are our ag and our desert termites. And as I say, they're not a structural insect pest. And in fact, we really don't think of them as a pest insect. Now, I suppose if you were somebody that was growing hay for profit, you might see these guys as a pest, right? Because yeah. for every blade of grass they, they cover in dirt, it relates to some amount of money that you wouldn't get back from your crop. But these are big swarmers. They're really sizable. And a lot of times people think that either a swarm of wasps is collected on their back porch as they eddy out of the wind, you know, we'll get calls from frantic homeowners and, and then other people that are sort of tuned into this idea that we do have an invasive termite species in the state. A lot of times they get misidentified as Formosan subterranean termite swarmers, but that's not the case. Good news is they're, they're not going to eat your house, maybe your grass a little bit, but not your house. So we've been mostly talking about termites and swarmers and whatnot, but they are not the only insect that we use the swarmer term for. This also applies to ants. And something that can get very confusing is that a lot of times we will have ants and termites that are swarming at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so people call panic because they don't know what to do about whatever swarmer they have or how to tell what is what. So what do they need to look for? How are they going to tell the difference between ants that are swarming and termites that are swarming? And when we start up, let's just talk about it. Let's say that they have their wings still. The first thing to look for is and I'm, I'm going to use a, a term from human biology here, but uh, and human biology and morphology, think waste. If you see an insect, a winged insect, and you've determined that you think it's a, a swarmer of either a termite colony or an ant colony, if you see a narrow constriction between the, the abdomen and the thorax of the insect that you're looking at, you're dealing with an ant. 
I mean, very likely dealing, you're certainly not dealing with a termite. Um, you could be confusing an ant swarmer for an actual wasp of which there are many, many species. But the point is that the big difference between termite and ant swarmers is that ants will have a constriction and narrowing between their abdomen and their thorax. Termites will not. And then the other big, big identification clue is that, so if you think about ant antennae, they're elbowed. They uh, have a little articulation point where they build, you picture ant antennae, they look like little goalposts, you know, sticking out ahead of them. Whereas termites do not. Their antennae are, don't have that sort of sharp articulation point that creates an angular appearance. And then the other thing is the wings. So ant wings and ant swarmer wings, the forewings are longer and oftentimes slightly different in shape than the hind wings. Whereas termites, all four wings are essentially the same shape and size. So those are the big characters to look for. So when you have termite and ant swarmers, once they leave the colony, they launch into the air, hence their needing of wings at that point. But once they drop to the ground, either after they made it or, you know, when termites after they've paired up, those wings are typically not on the insect anymore. So in the case of ants, they'll chew them off. And in the case of termites, they actually will shed them. They, and it leaves behind these things that are called scales. So when we're identifying particular species of things, ant swarmers can be tough mm-hmm. because there aren't really great keys. So unless you've had a lot of experience with ants and knowing what swarmers look like from colonies that you have, then it gets very difficult because there's not a lot of information out there on that. But termites, you know, you can actually tell the difference by looking at the wing scales and you can look for this little, I don't know, like hole thing that's on their head that's called a fontanelle. So you can tell the termites, but if you have the wings, definitely keep the wings because we often will use the wings of termite swarmers to identify what type of termite that you have. So that can be somewhat important for identifying them. Very important. And oftentimes when there's a swarm indoors, there's thousands of wings left behind. If they can't leave the house, they'll hit the ground, drop their wings. So those wings are very important. Like we, we can make an identification just with the wings alone. Yeah. I was going to say, especially with the termites, I mean, because they can't leave if they're indoors, usually you'll find them on your windowsills mm-hmm. and places that are attracted to lights. I know even when that happened in my home, it was lighting sources that they could go to, but mostly if they're going to swarm in the middle of the room and there is windows on the exterior of the room, they'll go there. Whereas sometimes the ants may or may not go towards a window if they're swarming. Yeah. So and this Janet, is also personal experience. When, when you had termites swarming, because this is a question we get a lot, when you're in the thick of that swarm and you have termites swarming inside your house, what do you do? I mean, other than, you know, call a pest control company. Because <laughs> <laughs> there was a little moment of panic. I mean, your home is your castle, that type of thing. And really, and I tell this not only for myself, but when I'm talking to schools, because a lot of times when I'm talking to my school districts, termites are going to swarm during testing season. 
And I tell everybody the termite swarm really is just, that's your greeting that, oh, by the way, you've got something going on. Good news, bad news. You don't have to panic and have a meltdown that moment. Mm -hmm. If there's swarmers in your home or your building, Yes, that does mean you might need to make some appointments, have people come out, talk to you, even in my own personal structure. In for my audience, what happened was um, several years ago, I moved back into my mom's house and it started with one little termite thing and it just it ended up progressing to where I had to do several things for termites. But in that time, I made decisions made decisions on cost, on what home preservation, all of that stuff. But for the most part, when you see the termite swarm, don't panic, take a deep breath, and then come find a podcast or something. So your house is not going to collapse around you if you have termites swarming. And you know something else, if you have them get out a vacuum cleaner and you can suck them up Mm -hmm. and... That can not only collect them, but it'll also knock down the numbers that you have. The only other thing I tell people, especially when I'm talking with school districts about this topic, is make a note. If you saw them swarming above the master bedroom closet, do try to make a note of that. Because if you do bring in a pest control person, well, they're swarming over here at this side of the house. That helps them when they're trying to make their determination. I get a lot of calls from homeowners and I'll start getting more and more over the next few weeks as as you guys will. And they've had a swarm indoors. Their hair is on fire. They think their house is going to fall down. I try to calm them, but also make the point that it's different for every colony. But in general, we say that it takes about five years before the colony reaches a, a state of maturity that the queen begins to push out reproductive swarmers. So if you're seeing swarmers in your house, it doesn't necessarily mean that that mature colony has started from the queen's initial nuptial flight and she found your house and and something there was inviting and then she built her colony and they've been there for five years, but it could. In a lot of cases, it becomes clear that they have been there for that period of time feeding. So they've done some damage. But at that point, honestly, the, the amount of damage that they've done up to that point is going to be minuscule compared to the amount of damage that they're going to be able to do by the time that you get something done to solve that insect problem. So what I tell people is, look, if you're going to hire pest management to come in and solve that problem for you, the majority of the damage is done. There's nothing you can do about that. So start moving towards a resolution. You know, I think in some ways that calms people, in some ways it makes them a little more nervous, but at least they get the whole picture. And it could have been that a mature colony was feeding on a a tree trunk you know, under the ground, out in your yard, 10 feet away from the house, and they exhausted their food supply and they started wandering and found the house. And then a swarm occurred, you know, they may have just discovered your house, but there's some likelihood that they've been there for a significant period of time. So it's not something to ignore, but it's also not something to sort of shut down the rest of your life over and become hyper-focused on. My next question is, if they have a termite swarm that is happening in their yard somewhere, What then? Do they need to be concerned about that? Because with me, I always tend to talk to people about where it is in relation to the home. 
And if that swarm is away from the house, who cares? I had termites swarm at my house, but it was 50 feet from my house. And so I'm not terribly concerned about it. It's not, you know, I've got vegetation in my yard. There's a fence, there's sheds. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff out there that they could be feeding on, but we don't have them on the house because I've looked. So Mm -hmm. I'm not terribly concerned about that swarm that occurred. Now, if they were swarming in my yard, right beside my house, then that doesn't necessarily mean that I would be getting a termite treatment done, but that does mean that I would be on regular schedule to inspect around that foundation to make sure that they're not moving onto the structure. And I get that all the time. Should I do this termite treatment? It's a personal decision. But often I will kind of equate them to an insurance policy when we're talking about termite treatments, because it's all about your comfort level. If you're okay with knowing that we have termites in the soil here in Texas and knowing that there's a possibility that your house is going to eventually have termites infesting it, then just do your normal inspection on a regular basis, add it to your calendar, have it send you a message when it needs to be done. And you can either do that yourself if you want, or you can hire somebody to do that for you, but just get on that regular schedule and then treat when you have the termites on your structure. Other people aren't comfortable with that. And so they go with a termite treatment and then they pay that yearly fee to keep that treatment up. And then if they get termites on their house after that, then they get the treatment kind of bumped up. So it's a personal decision. It's kind of all about what your comfort level is. Yeah. I I answer that question in exactly the same way, very frequently. Good inspection is the key. And if you're not comfortable making your own inspection, and for most folks, you could, you could learn how to do an exterior inspection, but some of the things that pest management professionals look for with their, you know, with their years of experience when they get inside a home are things that it's difficult for people to look for. Yeah. Bath traps, plate penetrations in the attic. I mean, yeah, it's it's all over the place, but you know, I I, I was in pest control for a while, so I know what to do. (laughs) Yeah. And I always tell them too, there's evidence from the research in our laboratory and others in the Southern United States. I mean, people just have to be comfortable with the idea. Well, you don't necessarily have to be comfortable with the idea, but you, you just need to be aware. understand this is real. <laughs> Most of us have termite colonies in our yards, period. End of story. Now, whether or not they find your house is, you know, they sort of forge randomly, but they're there. You can almost be sure of it. You can certainly do things to not encourage them to come to your house. Mm-hmm. I mean, watch wood to soil contact, watch where your water's going and have it drain away from the house. I mean, that is also going to be important. Wrapping it back to swarmers, ant swarmers. There are all different kinds of ants that we have in Texas. And the swarmers are going to look different, not only based upon the species that we're dealing with, but also a lot of times the male and female are going to look completely different from one another. And, you know, a good example of that is like red imported fire ants. The, the males and females look nothing alike. They're different sizes. They're different colors. The male thorax has got this big old like humpback thing on it. Whereas the female looks kind of like a really large worker fire ant with some wings. And we're dealing with ant swarmers. A lot of times we can say, 
hey, this is an ant swarmer and it's not a termite, so you don't have to panic. But when it gets down to telling you what kind of swarmer it is, we may or may not be able to do that based upon the experience that we have had up until that point. Now, I've been doing this for a while, Robert, you've been doing it for a while. And so I've had experience with a lot of ant swarmers and I kind of know what some of them look like, but sometimes I get them and I'm like, it might be this, but Mm -hmm. usually what I tell people is look around and see what ants you have in that same kind of general area. And a lot of times you'll see the workers and that can kind of give you an idea of what your ant swarmer is. There aren't good keys, identification keys for swarmer ants. I mean, the good news is, as you say, with some, with some time and experience, you can start to put the pieces together and, and be able to identify, you know, we can, cause we've been doing this for a long time, but for most people it's impossible, but there's some characters that um, are consistent between workers and, and swarmers, you know, rover ants come to mind, you know, they've got nine and tenal segments worker or queen, you know, and they're the only oh, genus that and we the have. Queen, the queens are so adorable. I oh, mean, yeah. they're still tiny, but um, yeah. I, I used to have rover ants swarming in my kitchen like every single year. <laughs> yeah. We would always get them in our, our old house. Um, they would swarm into the, if we left the bedroom lights on, well, if we did that, it also meant the fan was blowing. So they would oh. come <laughs> and we had, they, the house wasn't sealed very well. So they would come in through a window after at night, after a rain, and my wife would always come out of the bedroom and say that your ants are back because they would fly up into the lights of the fan and they get blown down onto the bed and they would just lock down on the fabric, you know, and they would just start accumulating. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. But with ants, a lot of times you don't, I mean, you really don't have to worry about them being problematic like termites. They're not going to be eating your house. Now, carpenter ants, yes, those are a wood-destroying insect, but they don't eat the wood. They are nesting in it. So that can be somewhat problematic. But I mean, generally with ants, it's like, eh. And you know, the other ones, the leafcutter ants that are huge, Mm -hmm. I get calls on those all the time. The leafcutter ant swarmers are ginormous and they're like a reddish brown and they've got kind of a tan translucent kind of beigey wing, but people see those and they start to panic because they are so large. If you see those, don't panic. They're leafcutter ants. You just need to look around for where the leafcutter ants are coming from because their colonies can be ginormous. And insects as indicators can tell us a lot. Remember that we're always here to help answer your questions, but no panicking, no panicking allowed. Yeah. And if you see these guys, just like always, and you're curious about them, you want an identification made, we're always happy to do that. You just drop them in some alcohol to preserve them and something that's not going to leak and get them to us. If you're sending a picture of an ant, please use something in the picture for size reference, because that's going to be the first thing that I ask you. How big is it? And, and, and use, illuminate the subject very well and try to magnify them best you can. Yeah. Basically, the short of it, swarmers are going to be reproductive forms that have wings. Those are ants and termites. Ants are going to have elbowed antennae, a pinched waist and wings that are of unequal size, whereas termites are going to have straight antennae, a broadly joined waist, and wings that are the same size and shape. If you want them identified, send them to us. It's better with samples, so drop them into some isopropyl alcohol. 
If you need more information, you can go to extensionentomology.tamu.edu and we'll catch you next time on Unwanted Guest. Thanks for listening.